drive to create things. You're a writer, a photographer, a musician, a maker. You're ready to make things happen. But chasing creative isn't always easy. Your time and energy go to your work, your family, and your life. Is it really possible to make space for the creative in your everyday? Here at the Chasing Creative Podcast, we believe you can. We're everyday creatives who have insights and action steps you can take today to make your creative plans happen. I'm Ashley Brooks, a freelance writer and editor at Brooks Editorial and a work-at-home mom of two. I would love to devote more time to creative writing, journaling, and blogging. And I'm Abigail Creeves, a writer and photographer behind Inkwells and Images. I'm also a work-at-home mom who is just beginning to learn the ropes of balancing a baby and everything else. And you are listening to the Chasing Creative Podcast. So welcome to episode 24 of Chasing Creative. We are talking today about resources that inspire our creativity. By now, when you're listening to this, it's probably April or later in the year and everyone is kind of washed up on their New Year's resolutions and goals and everyone could probably use a little bit of a kickstart. Um, So while we're normally bemoaning our lack of time to sort out all of our creative projects, every once in a while we get stuck and we need something to kind of kickstart us into inspiration once again. And so we both have some kind of tried and true places we turn to that give us that little nudge we need to get back to making. And we thought we'd share them in today's episode before we wind down for the season with next week's episode. So Ashley, what have you been loving around the internet lately as inspiration? Yeah, so I think one of our favorite go-tos is always going to be blogs because Mm -hmm. they're just, they seem so stable compared to other things happening online right now. Like everybody's got their YouTube channels or their social media platforms, but blogs have been around long enough now that they almost feel like the stablest or like the most reliable, like nostalgic form of (laughs) content on the internet, which is kind of crazy because they have not been around that long. One of my favorite bloggers that I like to follow is Melissa Camaro Wilkins, and she is a writer. She has, I think, five kids that she homeschools, and she has so many practical resources for things like living a simpler life and avoiding mental and emotional overwhelm and sort of aligning the way that you live your life with the values that are important to you and your family and the fact that she's like actually living this out while she has so many kids and she's um her kids are older than either of ours she's that mom who's like the next step ahead of us you know that gives us hope because we can her kids can fix their own breakfast yes we can look at her and be like oh there is life after this season of tiny children so I really really love reading pretty much everything and following her she's got a lot of great blog archives and some nice free resources and then her newsletter is also great as well so and we'll be linking to all of these resources in the show notes for you of course but she is one of my favorites right now Mm -hmm. and I think she writes often for um no sidebar Mm-hmm. I feel like I've seen her name pop up there. And so yep. if the, the no sidebar kind of message resonates with you, I would definitely check out Melissa Kamara Wilkins. I don't know if I've ever landed on her blog herself, but I think I follow her on Twitter maybe. Um, so yeah, yeah, good stuff there. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of a, not really along the same lines, but more in a, um, 
I guess I, I've been following him forever, but John Blaze, and it's B-L-A-S-E. He writes at johnblaze.com. He's a former pastor, and he's also a poet, and so he writes beautiful poetry. Um, and I I think I would have loved to have sit and sat through his sermons once upon a time. I think those would have been some of the most beautiful sermons ever listened to. Um, so he doesn't always write on his blog or doesn't always post poetry, but his archives are really rich. So if you just want some really like stunning truth woven into a you know 10 or 12 line poem that is where I would go for it um, he also writes letters that could be poems very much like Beth Ann Fennelly who we both love um, so I would recommend him any day of the week oh and I have never heard of him before so this is a very good recommendation for me because I feel like that intersection between faith and poetry is a really important and inspiring one. And anytime that somebody is compared to Beth Ann Fennelly with their writing, I'm going to be completely on board with that. So that's a great recommendation. And I know it's the wrong season, but he, he's written several books. And one of them is um, an Advent series, like leading up to Christmas. And it's called Touching Wonder, Recapturing the Awe of the Christmas Story. And I just, I loved his approach to it, like Touching Wonder. Yeah, that will definitely go on my list for next year, Advent, because that's <laughs> um, always something that, you know, trying to find books that sort of get you in that liturgical spirit um, mm-hmm. for different seasons of the year, um, different faith seasons is not always easy to find good resources for that that are well written and that aren't just super step by step, that kind of thing. So yeah, yeah that would be a good this. one to check out. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what else have you been reading or listening to lately? Or I guess just, just reading. Yeah. Yeah. So one of my other favorite blogs is Ann Bogle, who blogs at Modern Mrs. Darcy. And I really like blogs that make me think. And I feel mm-hmm. like she fits the bill for that. Um, her blog has sort of changed pace over the years. I would say that it's become a lot more focused uh, on books lately than it used to be, which is fine because that's what she does best and she knows her audience and that's what they're really at her blog for. But she has some really great archives of things like minimalist wardrobe tips and like really simple questions that she asks herself to sort of stay self-aware about herself Mm -hmm. and the way she's living her life. And I just really appreciate that there are just these like simple little life hacks that she shares with her readers that have helped her improve her life in really practical ways that are not overwhelming at all. So um, I would recommend going through her archives because she's been blogging for years and years, um, particularly in she has a category that I think is called Life Examined or The Examined Life that especially has some of those introspective posts about like how she schedules her time and mm-hmm. um, just how she evaluates the way that she's living that I would really recommend. Yeah. I have actually never followed her blog on a regular basis and really? I should because she writes about everything that I love, but I just, I just never have. And I think it's one of those that I know once I like dip my toes in, I'm never going to come up for air again. Um, because mm-hmm. I remember once landing on her blog, someone had shared a link or something 
And soon enough, like I was checking out all of her resources on homeschooling her children. And I am <laughs> years away from schooling my child or children and, and probably not going to homeschool. I don't know. We'll see. But she's she just writes about things in such a really eloquent and intelligent way. And I just really appreciate that. So I, I yes. like that. Yeah, she is very good at that. So any mm. other favorite bloggers of yours? Yeah, I think one that both of us have been enjoying lately um, is Erin Lochner at Design for Mankind. And I don't know what it is lately about her blog, but it just has been so... I, I feel like each blog she's written has really had like a visceral reaction in me. Like I've mm-hmm. been physically affected by it, not just been like, oh, that's neat, that's cool, but like actually like had to like sit still for a minute and really think about how it had affected me. Um, so I just really like how she's been kind of marinating both motherhood and parenthood and then also slow living and simple living and coming up with you know family traditions and things like that so that's that's what I've been reading lately her blog anytime it hits my inbox yeah her blog is so well written she's an excellent Mm -hmm. writer and she gets right to the heart of these really important topics and just sort of makes you look at them in a new perspective but she does it in like her posts are not that long they're like 500 Mm -hmm. words or less I would guess which is really the mark of good writing like being Mm -hmm. able to get to the point in such an eloquent way so quickly and she's also like she's not a mom blogger even though she Mm -hmm. does often write about motherhood she's kind of a simplicity blogger almost even a lifestyle blogger because I tell you what she can write a sponsored post and you will not even know until the end that it's (laughs) sponsored and it'll be just so good she's the master at like weaving in content in a way that's actually relevant to her readers and not Mm -hmm. like spammy or smarmy like everything she writes is so good and I would also highly recommend her book um chasing slow I believe it's called yes yeah that's also really really excellent if you're into that simplified kind of minimalist living Mm -hmm. yeah and that book takes you from I mean she and her husband were living in Hollywood I want to say like Southern California like they Mm -hmm. he's a film producer to some degree um and how like they went from that fast-paced california lifestyle to living in indiana like middle of nowhere slow living Um, so i found that like transition story from them really really interesting it's not one that you often hear yeah and it chronicles like her rising star through the blogosphere, I guess, and then how she realized that she was coming to rely too much on internet fame and on the fast-paced life of being everywhere online and how she was able to step back from that, but obviously Mm -hmm. not sacrifice blogging as her career because she's still doing it and she wrote a book because of it. And I think it's just a really inspiring story to see. So yes, if you are not already following Erin, highly, highly recommend. No. So have you been listening to any cool podcasts lately? Well, I have my list of favorite podcasts that I will share, but I haven't been listening to any lately because I am, it's Lent when we are recording this. It will not be Lent once this is released, I'm pretty sure, (laughs) but (laughs) podcast math, (laughs) but um, I decided to give up podcasts for Lent because I was just kind of feeling overwhelmed by all the chatter and I realized that I was listening to them like way more than I should be in a day just to sort of fill space 
I guess, mm-hmm. space that did not need to be filled. So right now, nothing, <laughs> even though I'm sure I will catch up relatively quickly once I'm in the nursing and newborn baby days coming up here. But <laughs> um, one of my favorites that I've been really liking lately, and I think that you've been enjoying as well, is The Next Right Thing with Emily P. Freeman. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that's that's all I have to say about that one. It's, I don't even good. know how to describe it. Like she's just sometimes her voice is just so soothing. Like you mm-hmm. don't even care what she's saying. You just <laughs> want to listen to her talk to you because she makes you feel calmer. Yes. Um, yeah, but it's it's about just like the title says, it's about figuring out how to take the next right thing and how to step forward in faith and um figure out which direction to go next when you're feeling stuck and she somehow manages to offer advice that is not prescriptive but that Mm -hmm. also feels like it was exactly meant for you at exactly that moment it's just really really a well-done podcast and it's relatively short I think they're usually only like 15 minutes long Mm -hmm. they're very contemplative very soothing Uh, That one is always a favorite, especially if you can listen to it um, in a quiet setting, maybe away from your kids, because you'll (laughs) want to do lots of thinking about what she Mm -hmm. is talking about. So that's a good one. Yeah, I listened to one of the episodes the other day and I listened to it three times in a row. I just kept like, yep, I need to hear that again. I need to hear that again. (laughs) One of the phrases that stuck with me was something along the lines of, Just because I can't change the room or the circumstances doesn't mean that I can't be changed. And Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's good. (laughs) Yes, that is good. So, yeah, Emily Freeman, I think I will read or listen to anything she ever does. Um, So, yeah, good recommendation. Um, Another one that I really like, and I don't always get to listen to this podcast, but when I do, I'm always glad that I have is the New York Times book review. Have you ever listened to that one? I have not, but you've told me about it several times. And so I'm not sure why I have not put it on my list yet. <laughs> it's, it's a little wonky as far as a podcast goes. It's kind of, um, I mean, it's almost like a, a magazine in podcast form, but every week the um, editor of the New York Times book review Pamela Paul has like does an interview or two with different authors who have books coming out or experts in their field, and then they have other contributors to the book review on. Like someone does a like a little blip about sales or something interesting in the publishing news, so it's kind of almost reportive as well. And then they have a roundtable kind of at the end of each episode where four or five of them get together and everyone talks about what they've been reading lately, kind of like you and I do at the end of each episode. And it's really, really fun to listen to all these people who are way smarter than I am um, and who are getting to read like all of the latest and best literature and then also talk to those authors. So while I don't always get to read like the best of the best books these days because my attention span is just not there, it's still really fun to listen to the people who have. And it always really what's me makes me want to clear my schedule and just read, like just read everything. So that inspires me. Yeah. Have you gotten some pretty good um, book recommendations from them? The ones that you have managed to squeeze into your reading schedule? Yeah. I I don't think I could pinpoint one directly. I've added a lot of books to my list. And I 
think part of it is just, I know I'm not, I don't have the attention span for those kinds of books right now. Yeah. Um, but they also interview, I mean, like they interviewed Colson Whitehead, the author of Underground Railroad. So a lot of popular fiction as well. It's usually just not, you know, Danielle Steele on the, right. uh, the radio hour. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Author interviews, though, is always something I can get on board with. I love mm-hmm. hearing that behind the scenes, like how something came together. So that is yeah. a good one. I should definitely add that to my queue once I am back into podcast listening. Yeah. yeah so, the last the last one I'd listened to, she was interviewing a gentleman who was writing a book about Jackie Kennedy and her mm-hmm. mother and sister like growing up. But it's like his fourth book about Jackie Kennedy. He just keeps going back and looking at her life through different lenses, I guess. And I thought that was really weird and interesting. <laughs> that so, is dedication to a subject, I tell you. Exactly. So I don't think I could focus on any one person for that long. <laughs> I don't think so either. So yeah, every now and again, there's one that you're just like, this is, this is weird, but most of it's pretty good. Yeah. So another one I like that I'm excited to share because I think it will have a good application for our listeners is called Create If Writing, which is hosted by Kirsten Oliphant. And she is a blogger who also started offering resources through Create If Writing, um, which is a podcast and also a Facebook group that goes along with it. Um, So she's talking to writers, bloggers, basically anybody creating anything online who wants to build a platform for their work, but who does not want to get totally sucked into that marketing hamster wheel and become totally sleazy and smarmy and gross about selling their stuff to people online, which is a place that I think lots of us can (laughs) identify with being in where we're like, we're supposed to have these platforms and we want to maybe sell things or we want to maybe write a book someday that people actually read, but we don't want to be all self-promotional all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, And so this podcast is a really good one. They're usually fairly short episodes, um, so they're pretty simple to digest quickly. And she has lots of great discussions and tips about keeping up with best practices in the marketing world without becoming sort of a crazy marketing robot. And along with that, I would also really recommend, um, like I said, she has a Facebook group, but if you're not into those, um, she has a really great email newsletter that I think she calls the quick fix, which is, um, a really straightforward rundown of like, Hey, these things happened in the marketing world that normal people might want to know about. So here you go. Everything's just very digestible and practical. So highly recommend. Awesome. I like that idea. I think like you said, we're all kind of in that boat right now where we're creating things and maybe want to sell them, but don't want to be salespeople. That's yes. not, that's not our goal. <laughs> yes. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Yeah. So, and it looks like you've been listening to another writing focused podcast. Um, is it hashtag am writing? Is that what they call it? Yeah. Yeah. It's actually called hashtag am writing with Jess and KJ who are two experienced writers and then they occasionally do guest interviews with other writers as well. But they are, it's actually really fascinating because they cover pretty much every aspect of writing. So they both do freelance work. They have both done reported journalism. 
They have both done nonfiction books and nonfiction writing. Um, they A lot of their interviews are with self-published fiction authors or with other journalists or other freelancers. So they run the gamut of like every possible type of writing, like working with clients, finding freelance jobs, getting an agent, writing a book proposal, doing a book outline, like pretty much everything mm-hmm. for every genre, which I think is really interesting because I find myself sort of straddling that line between professional writing and writing that's just for fun, but that I also might want to make professional-ish someday. And most podcasts gear themselves so narrowly towards this is for the self-publishing fiction authors, or this is for freelancers. And so I really like that this one sort of talks about the issues that you run into when you're doing more than one type of writing at a time, which I think lots of writers can identify with. Yes, most definitely. I like that you found something that kind of does it all. So you have to have four different podcasts that cover like 25% of it. Yes. And they're very fun to listen to and informative and, you know, they know their way around marketing, but again, they're not sleazy about it and they're not gross about it. And I just think it's a really really good resource if you're in the writing world yeah I've never listened to either of those in writing or creative writing so I'm going to have to add those to my list so do you have any other favorite podcasts yeah I mean just speaking like favorites of all time I loved Elizabeth Gilbert's Big Magic and so I would dive into her archives anytime I needed a specific pep talk that I knew she had addressed before just listening to it again is always fun yeah I recommend that even if she's on hiatus, um, it's still, it's still fun to dive in and, and see what you, and, and I guess take what you need from, from that podcast. Um, and then I think we both talk about Kendra Adachi at the lazy genius podcast a lot. Um, but she's been, she's just been having a great year, I think both with her podcast and her blog and her really quick and to the point blogs. Um, like we discussed earlier this year, her blog about finding your purpose makes you really question your motives and whether or not you're doing the right things, but for the right reasons. Yes. That one about finding your purpose in particular was so, so good. I was actually just thinking about it the other day and I was like, I should revisit that because it's been a few months even, I think, since I first read up on that and her her podcast is really great for just practical everyday like hey you have to keep your life together somehow Mm -hmm. so here's how to keep your household running and maintain your sanity at the same time and it's just so down to earth and so like you feel like you're just listening to a friend basically Mm -hmm. it's just it's a very casual (laughs) podcast that's one that I like to listen to with the kids around because it's not so like intensely focused I guess Mm -hmm. Um, but I know that it's always going to be like child appropriate like you never have to worry about anybody (laughs) like you know saying something that your three year old is like what does that mean (laughs) you know (laughs) there's no awkward family discussions because of the lazy genius (laughs) exactly there's there are only helpful helpful family tips well and she has so many different I don't want to say kinds of podcasts, but she'll do something like really deep and heart centered, like finding your purpose. And then a few weeks later have a podcast about how to cook chicken or how to do your laundry. And they're such like practical step by steps. 
And for anyone who is a personality junkie, Kendra is a self-proclaimed one on the Enneagram. So she is the, you know, perfectionist or the reformer. And you can tell, like, she has created systems that are the best of the best because they're the best, not the best for her. They are the best. And they're just so, it's so fun to hear someone else's perspective who's really, like, taken the time to think about what is the best way to do your laundry? This is it. Yeah, and then another cool little thing that she does is on Thursdays, I want to say it's Thursdays, but don't quote me on that, later in the week after a podcast releases, she'll go live on her stories for like 15 or 20 minutes and answer questions from anybody who is wondering about, oh, you said this on the podcast, could you clarify that? Or, but Mm -hmm. what about this? And so it just feels like a really open, like two-way relationship almost where Um, She's very invested in making sure that all the resources and tips that she shares actually work for you Mm -hmm. and like finding a way to make that happen. And yeah, like you said, she's very, very talented at going between the deep and the shallow, but it never feels shallow because like if you know how to cook chicken, like that will change your life. (laughs) As if you at least if you have little kids and you're working through that season of like, what do I make for dinner relatively quickly that everybody will eat? So, I mean, yes, Mm -hmm. recommended, (laughs) recommended. So what about places? Where do you find inspiration as far as places go that aren't on the actual internet? Yeah, and this was a good one. I was so glad that you included this in the outline because we don't often think about where we can go physically. So much of our lives are lived online now that it's easy to forget like, oh, there's this actual world out there that we can (laughs) explore. And so I, the first couple places that came to mind as being the most inspirational places I've ever been are super impractical for me to go back to because they are all <laughs> in Europe. So um, like a little valley in the Swiss Alps we visited and Hallstatt, Austria and Lake Como in Italy are like hands down very inspirational places, obviously, but we can't make that happen on a day-to-day basis. So I sort of realized that the connection between all of those, because we went to other places in Europe as well, but the ones that really stuck with me were the places that were off the beaten path and that were not super full of people and had a really Mm -hmm. deep connection with nature. There was a lot of natural beauty. So I was like, okay, so those are the sorts of inspirational places I need to look for closer to home, which is luckily not difficult to do here in the upper Midwest where we have a lot of lakes. We are lucky in that regard. We have Mm -hmm. a lot of woods and forests. And so I think just going to pretty much any of those spaces, I mean, in Minnesota, you literally, I mean, you can't even take a walk hardly without running into a lake. So, um, just finding Isn't that your state motto, like land of 10,000 lakes? Yes, except we have more than 12,000, so we're always correcting people about that. <laughs> we need to change the license plates. <laughs> I know, right? I'm like, who who made this our slogan? It's incorrect. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so finding finding those places of natural beauty, and like for me, because it's where I live and where I grew up, it's lakes and woods and that sort of thing, but for people in other areas of the country, maybe it's the plains or the mountains or the beach or you know, the desert, wherever, um, if natural beauty is your sort of thing, you know, just finding those spaces, because I'm sure there are places like that in your own backyard that you just sort of don't appreciate or, um, fail to take advantage of as much as you could. (laughs) 
Yeah, that is a great tip. Because I know when I was thinking of places like you, most of what has like been the most inspiring is always like vacation destinations. And I think part of it is that you you're just you're living a different life when you're on vacation. You're much more apt mm-hmm. to amble and to do something just because it sounds cool, not because it's what you have to do that day. Um, so I like that tip. Find something that emulates that closer to home. I know one of my favorite places that we've ever gone on any vacation was Prince Edward Island in Canada. And I keep thinking we were there in 2011 and I keep thinking we should go back. We should just go back. It was great. We don't even have to pick a new place. Let's just go back to that one. (laughs) Um, So once upon a time, and maybe even still, I was obsessed with Anne of Green Gables who grew up on Prince Edward Island. And so that was kind of the the idea of going there um, in mind. And we're not beach people. Um, Like I cannot sit on a warm sandy beach for hours and hours at a time. I I will burn for one thing. I am a pasty Midwesterner. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So like Prince Edward Island, which is in Northern Canada is cold. And so, yes, they have beaches, but you don't like lay on them. So that that's our kind of uh, island. That's my kind of island too. Like I am not that person who like I can sit on a beach with a book But even then, I'm like, this would be better if the hot sun weren't beating down on me and like making me squint. And why is there sand everywhere? Exactly. I'm just (laughs) like, we are not beach vacation people either. So that's definitely my kind of island, too. Yeah. So we really liked it. It was just kind of the whole island felt just a little bit slower than the rest of the world. And it was good food and nice people and everyone, I mean, spoke English. So that was also helpful. We didn't have to go yes. to Europe or whatever. Um, but it, it was a really great place. So I would, I would tell anyone to go there. And I think it's a great place to go with kids too. They had lots of family friendly activities and things. Nice. That is definitely yeah. good to know. So we both can find some of that inspiration in nature. And I think there are just a few places we also find indoors that can also inspire us that we might not think think of so one of them for me is bookstores which is probably like the ultimate cliche for a writer and a reader to say but there's just something about being surrounded by books that's like oh I feel like I'm at home and look at Mm -hmm. all these other people who have written books if all of these people could write books I could write a book and there's just something about that atmosphere and maybe it's the people who work there knowing that they also appreciate good words and good art but you just feel sort of like you're at home with your people and like yeah I can do this and it's just a nice place to spend your time well and even from like a reader perspective if you're not a writer just like walking through all of those shelves and shelves of books like you're just thinking like, what is the next story I get to discover here? Like, where do I get to go live next or vacation Mm -hmm. next kind of thing? Because that's, that's what you do is you get to go into that story and live there for a little while. Yes, exactly. Or even going through and like getting inspiration for your next creative project from, you know, some of the books that you might wander past or from a book cover you happen to see that sort of catches your eye. Like there's a million ways to be inspired in a bookstore. So there's one other place that I always think of um, as inspirational, and that is the Art Institute in Chicago. Um, It's right downtown, like on the Magnificent Mile. So even just going is kind of an experience in and of itself. Um, And I haven't been in years, but each time I do go, 
It always kind of makes me feel like I'm part of this enormous tradition of making art through the centuries. And that just makes me like all warm and fuzzy inside. Yeah, and we have the Minneapolis Institute of Art and also the Walker Art Institute, which is a little bit more modern here in uh, the Twin Cities area. And I can agree that just sort of wandering through and being surrounded by those works that other people have done and even sometimes just being in a museum building, like museum buildings are just always so cool. They are. And the Walker Art Center has a sculpture garden that you can actually like wander through in the summer months when it's nice outside. And um, <laughs> yeah, so lots of, lots of inspiration to be found there through architecture and through past work of past artists. So moving back online, any kind of Instagram accounts or Facebook groups or anything like that that you have been just really finding inspirational these days? Yeah, so I've been on Instagram more lately than I thought I ever would be in my entire life, and I am finding it more inspirational than I expected to. I think because I have made a conscious decision not to follow too many businessy driven accounts. I try to stay away from accounts that are a lot about marketing. Instead, I follow. Um, there's nobody in particular that really catches my eye for inspiration, I guess, that I thought to mention here, but I've been following a lot of knitters, a lot of other writers, but then I also like following people who work in mediums totally different from what I do, like writing and knitting, um, like stationary designers and calligraphers and watercolorists and people who do those very colorful and more physical art forms are sometimes just really inspiring to see their creative projects and what they're working on because it um, sort of brings together that whole creative world for me and gets me out of the writing world and the reading world and maybe even helps make sure that I'm not getting too competitive or that I'm not comparing myself to people Mm -hmm. because they're in a different genre so I don't feel that pressure quite so much. That is smart to have a strategy about who you follow. I never really thought about it before but I tend not to follow like brands and things because I don't just want to be marketed to on a Mm -hmm. platform that's supposed to be just about pretty things. Um, so I like that theory that you that you follow people who are different from you and that are inspirational, but not that don't make you like feel like you're not running fast enough in your own race. Yeah, yeah. Do you have any favorite Instagram accounts or other social accounts you really like following? Yeah, I haven't actually been on social media as much the last week or two because life has just been ridiculously full, which is good in its own way. Um, <laughs> but one, and she has posted in a while. It kind of uh, reminds me to go prod her and see if everything's okay. Um, But Lindsay Crandall, I think she has the perfect blend of really beautiful photography of everyday life and then also really great words about writing and creativity and living authentically. And I think she has a great balance of deep, like introspective captions. And then also ones that are just a little bit more like, here's some beautiful flowers or here's this great photo shoot. I went on with my kids and, and that is nice to see. Yeah, she is a good one. Her captions always make me think. And Mm -hmm. I also appreciate that her pictures are always beautiful. They're always well lit, but they are not, um, 
magazine Pinteresty. Like she'll take yeah. a picture of her kitchen and there will be dirty dishes. And it's a beautiful photo with like flowers and light coming in through the window. And then there's like the spaghetti pan sitting there like a normal person's house. Like it doesn't mm-hmm. make you feel like, oh, I could never live up to this picture. So I like looking at it. But also now I hate my kitchen. Like <laughs> she is just very, yeah. very authentic and very genuine that way. And that also reminds me of um, the Coffee and Crumbs account, which is now doing something that they call, I think they call them free writes. They're basically mm-hmm. like mini essays that people can share using a certain hashtag. And then one of the editors at Coffee and Crumbs will go through and um, share some of those captions. So they're like mini essays, typically about motherhood that I've been enjoying following along with the last couple of days. A lot of those have been really good so far. Yes. I'm always impressed when people can write captions on Instagram. And I think it's because I don't usually write my captions ahead of time. Like I should maybe start putting a little more thought into them. (laughs) I always try to, but I'm like, there's not enough space. I want to say more. I think I'm more too much of a long form (laughs) writer to make my words fit into a caption. Brevity is not my strong suit. Yeah, I neither. And it's definitely the thing that I probably need to work on most in my own writing. Yeah. And then one more social media account that I wanted to mention is um, not technically an account, but it's a Facebook group called the Wild Words Collective, which is run by Nicole Galata, who wrote the book Eat This Poem. And we interviewed her about that. I think it was all the way back in season one. No, season three. Season three. Yes, Yes. because the book is about a year old now. Mm -hmm. Um, I saw that she just had a birthday celebration for her book. So. Um, As one does. (laughs) Yes. Well, you deserve it. You should have a birthday celebration for your book. So we can link back to her episode in the show notes because it was a really great one. But Mm -hmm. she hosts this writing group on Facebook that is a little slower than most Facebook groups, I'll say. But I think that's one of the things I like about it. It's Mm -hmm. not so active that it's overwhelming. You're not constantly getting notifications. It doesn't take over your news feed. But every time it shows up, there are really deep discussions about the work of writing and the process of writing and how you handle that whole question of platform and marketing and links to really smart, well-written articles by other people in the writing world. And it's just, it feels like a really nurturing place for writers that's not as fast paced as most of the Facebook group world. Mm-hmm. No, that sounds wonderful. It sounds like a little bit of a rest for writers in a very, very noisy space. Yes, that is exactly what it is. So um, with that, I think we can probably move on to our most inspirational books, which you know we've always got something to share book-wise. So what Mm -hmm. books do you turn to when you're in need of some inspiration? Yeah, I will share one that I don't know if I ever have shared on the podcast here or not. Um, But Donald Miller's A Million Miles in a Thousand Years. I always loved that book ever since I think my in-laws got us a copy for Christmas one year. Um, got like everyone in the family a copy because they had read it and said like this is amazing and you have to read this and it and it was it was really good so Donald Miller who is now like super famous and everybody knows him <laughs> didn't used to be and this is kind of his story of learning how to well to live a good story it's one of the kind of the threads that's woven throughout the book as he takes a class on how to write good stories and realizes 
that he's not living a good story and then he needs to do more of that. And so it always really helps me to remember to live well and to live with purpose. And so whenever I feel like none of this is worth it and I'm just driving myself crazy trying to do a million things that aren't going anywhere, I can kind of like read a few pages of that book and, and get centered again. It's really nice. Yeah, that is a really great book. I read it. It's one of those you know, sometimes you remember a book like where you were when you were reading it. Mm -hmm. This is one that I read a few years ago on the elliptical machine. I think it was either before I had kids or maybe when I was pregnant with Hadley that I was reading this one. And yeah, I really liked the structure that that book took, that the whole thing was formed around story. And now, of course, Donald Miller has gone and made that like a huge thing with his story brand um mm -hmm. kind of podcast and yeah workshops I think there's a book specifically about story brand but even if you don't want to get into that which is more the marketing side of things again uh, a million miles in a thousand years is really a great place to start if you feel like you're just sort of meandering through life and mm -hmm. are maybe a little bit lost hearing his story is very inspiring I agree it is. And it's not a very big book. I'm looking at it right now and it's, I don't know, maybe 200 pages. So a really nice, mm -hmm. like small dose of inspiration that makes a big impact. So sticking with that theme, small books that make a big impact, I have to mention A Million Little Ways by Emily P. Freeman, which mm -hmm. I think we talk about at least every other episode, if not more <laughs> often than that. But it is really that good. So especially if you are in a place in your life where you feel like you are just repetitive and doing the same things day in and day out, Emily P. Freeman will remind you in this book that the work that you're doing matters and that you can find art in even those mundane spaces in your life. And that is just a reminder that I need so often. I'm planning mm -hmm. on rereading it again here, either early postpartum or maybe even before the baby comes. By the time this episode airs, the baby might be here. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> but I think you have a new favorite book instead of one that we always talk about, Emily Freeman, which we will talk about forever and ever. Um, you read Finish by John Acuff, which is one we both I said did. we should read a few episodes ago. Yes. So my library hold finally came in. I've been on the list for this one for a long time. This book was so good. So um, it's all about basically combating perfectionism in order to actually finish your projects. And when I realized at the beginning of the book that the whole thing was going to be about perfectionism, I was kind of skeptical because I thought that perfectionism was not something I struggled with. I don't feel like I'm that person who constantly tweaks things to make sure they're just right. I don't feel like I'm somebody who's just really held back by that in my creative life. And then as I read the book, I realized that perfectionism shows up in different ways for different people. And in fact, I was being held back by perfectionism. I was just not recognizing it for what it was. And so he had such fantastic practical tips about setting goals that make sense for your life and how to allocate time to them. Like he actually has a section in there about like, 
hey, have you ever tried to get anything reasonably well done while there's a toddler standing next to you? Because it just doesn't happen. So maybe you need to give yourself more time to reach that goal because you have a toddler. Like, wake up. Stop being ridiculous. It's like, that's probably the best advice I've ever seen in one of these books because normally people are just like, no, you need to focus and no, you need to push through. And this guy is like, how about you acknowledge that you have children and just give yourself more time? (laughs) Yes. Acknowledge that there are tiny tornadoes walking behind you, undoing everything you just did as you go through the house. Yes. And this book was hilarious. Like, I did not realize how funny he was in his writing. It was so funny. And it was a very, it was a short book. It was less than 200 pages. It was a quick read. It had lots of those inspiring little Mm one-liners that you can grab as a quotable if you need something to sort of perk you up or keep you encouraged and moving towards a goal. So Finish by John Acuff is also a new favorite that is highly recommended. Yeah. And all of his books kind of follow that same trend. They're all really pithy, but also, I mean, funny. He makes even like, I don't know, budgeting funny. He's, he's done it before. Yeah. I haven't read any of his other books before, but now I want to just for the entertainment value. When he was on the Dave Ramsey team, he wrote Gazelle's Baby Steps and 37 Other Things Dave Ramsey Taught Me About Debt. And it's just this like little like <laughs> coffee table book and it's got lots of illustrations and things. And it says like a cardigan sweater for a dog is never really an emergency. And, and like little like crazy things like that. Excellent. Well, those are the things that have been inspiring us lately. Hopefully you are able to take some of those if you're feeling a little bit down in the dumps with your creative spirit and find some more energy. So until next time, we'll see you later. Thanks for listening to the Chasing Creative Podcast. If you like what you heard in this episode, be sure to stop by ChasingCreative.com to check out the show notes, catch up on past episodes, and subscribe to the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you'd leave us a review on iTunes. You can also join in the creative conversation by tweeting to us at Abigail E. Krebs or at Brooks Editorial, or by using the hashtag ChasingCreative on Twitter and Instagram. If you'd like to help us bring this podcast to life each week, find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash chasing creative. And if you have any feedback for us, drop us a line at chasing creative podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Until next week, go chase your creative.